0: Hey, we said we weren't going to talk about coronavirus, but we can't help it. This week on the Veterinary Viewfinder, we're going to talk about some of the unusual self care and self vet care, maybe, that pet parents are doing out there when they can't get to the vet clinic. This week on the Veterinary Viewfinder. Welcome back to the Veterinary Viewfinder, the podcast that tackles the toughest topics in veterinary medicine and Becky Mosser, RVT, only wants to talk about COVID-19, but I'd like to talk about other things, but this week she wins once again and Becky brought to me a very interesting quandary, but before we get into her question of the week, as always, I am one of your co-hosts, Dr. Ernie Ward.
1: And I am being tortured to death <laughs> registered veterinary technician, Becky Mosser.
0: Becky, you texted me a very interesting story. And we were like, oh, gosh, we need to talk about this. So maybe set that up for the Viewfinder family.
1: I know. I'm pretending this is not due to COVID because you guys know how much I hate talking about it and don't want to. But, you know, it is stemming a lot of... Um, new things. And so I was talking with a company the other day um, with some interesting, I guess in general, people are looking at how to aid what we're missing or can't get to in the veterinary clinic. And so there are things like cold lasers, um, you know, home massage, things like that, I think are happening more than and more. And these companies are providing them. um, And I don't know, might be a good thing, might be a bad thing.
0: Right. And I think what really uh, kind of got my interest peaked was the acceleration. So we've been talking about that, not only on the podcast for nearly four years, but certainly Becky and I have been talking about it for decades, right? People taking veterinary care into their own hands and now into their own homes. And, you know, so we've always said, okay, how do we deal with some of those myths and misperceptions and things that people are doing that maybe just aren't as beneficial, but now they're actually being aided by company sales, right? Because they're going, hey, if we can't sell it to the vet during this pandemic shutdown, we'll just go straight to the pet parent, which is kind of what you were confronted with, right? I did. And, and you know, I don't
1: know if I feel the same amount of skepticism I'm picking up from you. And, and I, I, I'm to some extent, but there's also this part of me that you know really advocates for Um, one, like liberating parents a little bit, and then two, helping them be more active in the therapy process with pets. I think that... It can be very frustrating when you don't feel like you're doing anything to help. So I I don't know. I personally am maybe getting excited that there are these types of options and the right companies are doing it the right way. They're not direct to consumer, right? They're going through the veterinary team.
0: Right. And that's where the skepticism sort of originates, Becky. I mean, you know, I've been around a while, uh, (laughs) longer than most, and I've seen quite frankly, well-intentioned pet parents, loving pet parents being being taken advantage of. I mean, we actually yeah. did a story uh, a couple of years ago about like this cancer treatment. The guy, you know, wound up going to jail, being fined heavily. But, you know, like just taking advantage of the situation. And that's where I, I do fear, like right now in this highly vulnerable, chaotic, you know, emotionally charged state that we're all going through, I just worry about people being taken advantage of. And you're right. There are some wonderful modalities out there. In fact, I'm a huge fan, as you know, of class four lasers. Uh, I think that they're I'm not so sold that it should be done in the home yet without direct supervision. Having said that, you know, these are the types of things that are migrating into the home setting. And I think that where you and I always sort of come out front is like, hey, are we in front of this topic? You know, are yep. we talking about it? Are we ignoring it, putting our heads in the proverbial sand? Or on the other end of the spectrum, Becky, are we just so much uh, objections and rejections of this that, again, we tend to polarize the topic. That's my fear.
1: Sure. I think that, again, you know, you and I have always gently talked about how the industry is not the quickest to move forward and veterinary professionals are not, you know, really keen on letting go. (laughs) Because of the COVID um, epidemic, there have been just so many less services that we're able to provide in the way that we used to be able to that. I think we have to find these alternate solutions and the right companies are incorporating veterinary clinics. Um, this particular laser company actually sells the veterinary clinics um, for the veterinarian to set the price and to totally oversee the process. So it is mostly um, I what I'm seeing and what I guess I really like more are these companies that are coming to the veterinary industry and saying, hey, we have these for you to make the decision, for you to lead your clients. And, you know, frankly, they're keeping their themselves less liable by doing it.
0: Right. And viewfinders, let's be clear, like there are a, a whole category of products that I am highly skeptical of. Right. I mean, these have to do with anything from nutrition to behavior training aids, right? I mean, there's a lot of stuff out there, an overwhelming amount of stuff out there. And some of it is just downright worthless and some might even be harmful. We're actually now talking about a new category of sort of medical devices that are coming online. And again, we just used one example with class four laser, but there are things coming online that are going to be in diagnostic capabilities. They're going to be other types of therapeutics that are going to, you know, people can actually deploy and execute in their own homes without direct supervision. And so th- that's really where I think I want our conversation and thoughts to go today. If you're out there, say, okay, I get it. There's, there's this handful of things that I like or dislike that are out there today multiply that times a thousand. And I think that's where we're going to land in about five years.
1: Yeah. And I think it, it, as always, it's about getting in front of it. So getting in front of it looks like informing clients, knowing what these new products are, what these new trends are, what people are doing at home and making sure you're educating on it and not just educating it. Like honestly, websites are great. People go to them, but that's not where they're going for the most up-to-date information. I, I, you know, if I'm looking at a company, I'll look at their website, but I also look at their Facebook page just to right. see how up-to-date they are. What are they sharing for images? Who's inter- interacting and engaging there? So you need to go where your clients are and and be in front of educating and also in front of offering these types of services. So Everybody's looking for more revenue, right? Like how can we do this and empower our clients?
0: Yeah, and that's a really good point, Becky, is the fact that th- these are actually – real opportunities for you. So if you're out there struggling right now and your clinic revenue is down or not where you want it to be, you really should be looking at these trends that are occurring around us and say, wait, why are people so interested in class four laser? Now, I've been a champion of this since it first came out. I think we may have had one of the very first therapeutic class four lasers in North Carolina. uh, But so, so I believe in this stuff. But again, if you don't believe in it, that's one thing, but you know, you should say, okay, what's happening around me? Can I take advantage of that? Is this something that I should be behind or whatever? I also want to extend just, just slightly forward, Becky, the fact of, of diagnostics are going to become much more accessible. And, and Becky and I both believe in this democratization of medicine, right? We believe that by putting more information in front of people, pet parents, they're going to be better pet parents. They're going to take better care. They're going to utilize more vet services. Like I, I'm convinced of that. But having said that, it also means that we let go certain tenants. And you know, Becky and I are, are very, very involved with uh, genetic testing. And so there are critics and, of course, advocates of that. But for me, the advocacy comes behind. Hey, if I can identify possibly predict diseases before they become fulminant, I might be able to have an intervention that extends well-being and longevity and and maybe even avoid something so like I'm a fan of that if so if, if someone can take a um, a saliva sample from their dog or cat and then somehow predict that they're going to get chronic kidney disease Becky I'm all for that not all vets are going to agree with that and I understand but you know here's where I see the opportunity that allows me if I educate the public to treat more kidney disease Becky I mean Am I making sense here?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think when we have the ability to get in front of anything and to have early identification of disease, which is like, how many times do we say like, well, if we had caught this sooner, (laughs) if we knew sooner, if only we had a crystal ball, then we could have predicted this years ago and supported it through nutrition and supplementation and whatever Whatever. it is. So, you know, it's, it's important. And, uh, you know, I think the, the biggest skeptics, skeptics understand the least.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point. But I Becky, I really liked your 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 term there of liberating, you know, because I think that is what 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 pet parents want. They want the freedom to make these decisions. Yeah. They want the freedom or the ability, if you will, to actually take some of the care under their control. Now, I would challenge us as a profession to roll that back and say, why? Why are they why are they even questioning this? It's because they don't feel satisfied with the services we're delivering, right? I believe that the reason that you're seeing things like cold lasers start to shift over to to direct-to-consumer, Becky, just hold that for a second, but in the home is because they're going, my vet's not talking about it. I believe that if 10 years ago, more vets had gotten on board with these types of modalities that have now, you know, the, the evidence is mounting in support of it. Now, I think that, you know, all vets talking about it, recommending it, endorsing it, u- using it, offering it, I think that you don't have this big shift away from it. You know, um, Becky, uh, you know, we're we're dealing with the, the hurricane, right? So we sadly lost all four of our vehicles. I mean, it's not like we have four cars, but we have four people in our family that are adults and everybody was home because of the pandemic. So we lost everybody's car. We bought a car online and it was an amazing experience because we didn't have to deal with the salesman hassling and trying to sell us a a maintenance package. You know, we didn't have to spend three or four hours at a dealership during the middle of a pandemic. And, And this was tested because we bought one car online and one car in real life. And Becky, I can tell you I want to buy another car online. Now, this is just a little bit of an an analogy for the vet profession, because if we make it more difficult, if we create barriers and obstacles to actually using services, then people are going to find another solution, an alternative. And Becky, I think what you brought up in that text message last week was one of those early signals that, hey, vet profession, we need to make it easier for pet parents to receive those, those types of care and services from us.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't I think about ten years ago and we're in the middle of a veterinary recession, right? And there's no jobs and we're worried about clients. And so there was like a hard time getting in front of this and buying new equipment and being on the forefront, I think, of some of these things that became um, you know, that emerged in that time frame. Um, and again, I think the skepticism is there when you say, like, look at a thirty thousand dollar piece of equipment, you know, or whatever. And, and am I going to be able to sell this to my clients who right now I can barely get them to do preventatives and get them to do vaccines? So there was a terrible time alignment with when a lot of this stuff emerged, I feel like, Good and came out on the market and what the industry looked like. That being said, um, it's turned around in a lot of ways. I I mean, people are saying they're busier than ever during um, COVID. And, and there is a time, I think, to um, look at new investments. But at the same time, You're right. I think that clients are saying or hearing from other places in their veterinarian that there is this thing that you can use for this condition. And like you said, they're like, well, I haven't heard about this from my veterinarian. Um, And if we don't have that great client-patient relationship, if we don't have that really strong trust, they're not going to pick up the phone and call. If we do, I think they're more likely to approach us with, is this an option? And again. I really think this is just it's I don't think it's that they want to take over veterinary care at home. I just think that nobody wants to feel helpless. We're in a day and age right, where you can like right. YouTube, whatever, and and DIY it to death and turn houses around. And we are just in a day and age where people are super empowered to do stuff by themselves. And we're 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 all making bread. We're all you know <laughs> right. building gardens and like driving ourselves to stay busy during covid. And and I think now is as good a time as any to empower them. I I don't think it's about them taking over. I think it's about them feeling involved.
0: Yeah. And I love that analogy about the home repair DIY. So guys, if you, if everybody's familiar with all the, I mean, there's a freaking television network Oh one devoted right. to this okay an entire so so when you look back 20 years ago when this started to percolate out into popular consciousness right so the, the it's becoming a cultural thing in our country right where people are like fixing up houses and renovating and yeah. flipping houses all this stuff right so at first people were like oh my gosh this is going to be the end of like carpentry and house building because People thought, I'm going to be doing my own plumbing, right? And all these people are going to go out of business. What they found was the opposite. Job
1: security to fix the (laughs) screw-ups.
0: Well, there's that (laughs) element, right? But then the other element of it is people just becoming aware of what could be, right? So you're watching HGTV and you're watching them knock down walls. Well, 99% of the people watching that are not going to go knock down a wall, right? But they may be inspired to say, I'd like to hire somebody to knock down that wall because I, I didn't know it was possible. I think that's the same thing we're going to see if we're good in the veterinary profession. We're going to see people that are being exposed to these stories on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, as Becky said, and they're going to say, okay, I'm not willing to commit to buying that cold laser unit. But, gosh, I want to talk to my vet about it. And here's where the win or loss is going to occur, in my opinion. Becky, they're going to call that vet. They're going to email that vet. They're going to whatever, however they contact you. And they're going to ask you about it. And if you if you are so dismissive, skeptical, or uninformed, they're going to be like, dude, are you not on Instagram? Sure. That being agreed, that being said, too, though, these companies
1: are smart, right? And they know that nobody really wants anything forever because we are not living in a day and age of forever. And if you're buying a cold laser, they know that this could be part of hospice treatment, this could be part of a surgery recovery and super low short term. So, what we're seeing are more and more of these innovative companies coming up with short term rentals. Uh, used and refurbished, so they're even making it easier, more affordable, and short term for them. That they're not even looking for a purchase. So just like we know, monthly subscriptions are blowing up, and and people are just looking at breaking down into smaller increments of life, and these companies are accommodating.
0: Yep, and Becky, I do want to bring it back to coronavirus. No, <laughs> and, and, no, and and the the uh, the true. effect of curbside practice, right? So exactly. we, we've talked a lot about this, both Becky and I on the show, as well as in our own independent, you know, uh, content out there. And, and so curbside service is not ideal. There's no way you can convince me that pet owners are like going, wow, this is so much better than it used to be. I just, it it's, it sucks. It sucks for everybody. Yeah. Now here's the problem the longer that this persists, the longer that we are relegated to curbside service, face mask interfaces and all that jazz, I'm afraid this is going to drive pet owners to say, I want a different experience, right? I mean, I'm just going back to having to buy two cars to replace, which is kind of where we are right now. It's like, we just have to have cars because I've got a daughter at college. The other one's going to borrow our car because she's going to stay local for her, her final year of school, uh, high school. And so we I bought one online, I bought one in person and Becky, you know, it's just like, I don't want to I don't want to go back to a dealership. And that's really sad. So how can we not be that auto dealer? How can we somehow be the better solution? And I and I really think that the clinics that innovate and really take this to heart and don't just say, I've got to slog through another day of sucky curbside care, then the ones that say, how can we reinvent this and make it better and do it differently then are going to win? And, you know, look, I've been a strong advocate for telemedicine and in-home mobile clinic care for 20 years. I mean, I have tr- I've personally tried to start businesses in both of those realms, didn't do as well. I think I was just at too early, but now is the time. Um and so I think that right now is this is a growth opportunity, right? Like I mean, I know you can sit back and say Oh, woe is me. This sucks. The world's going to heck. But I'm also going, there's a lot of growth and opportunity. How can we innovate and create and make it better on the other side of this? Because guys, I'm telling you right now, hustling right now is going to pay huge dividends.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's it's always going to, right? And I I think the fact of the matter is, is like this we're rolling back in most states, right? Like restaurants are reclosing, things are things are rolling back. And so I I, unfortunately, and if you are a regular listener, you know, no one in the world is sadder to say this than me is this is still a super big thing. And we are going to have to continue to adapt and accommodate and continue to stay in business. So, you know, you're right. But in my opinion, it isn't about reinventing it. It's looking at who's winning. So it's like, okay, you liked buying a car online fine, we don't have to just lose to Carvana. Why aren't the local dealerships selling online? Why aren't they offering to drive it to your house and show it up? Why aren't they offering to say, hey, you buy online for me, we'll bring the car to you and you can test drive it before you buy it, that you don't get that with Carvana if you're in X amount of space. (laughs) Like they have to adapt and recover. And so maybe your practices need to start thinking about, we'll serve a certain radius. Maybe your practices need to think about, having a fenced in area outside where you can create a tiny little exam room. Um, Maybe you just need to innovate. And, And I don't mean that to sound like easy as can be, but it's like, look at who's winning. Look at what people want. And how can you fit that in your space? Not make them fit into your space, like meet people where they're at. They're your customers.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I'll tell you, Becky, here's the sad thing, at least what we encountered. Again, two experiences within a week period, one in person and one online. Uh, the in-person promised us to do all the things that Carvana, which we did buy the other car from, uh, offers, right? So they said all this stuff and it wasn't true. It just was not true. Like they were like, we'll do all your paperwork ahead. So when you get here, all you're going to have to do is hand over the key. We spent two hours. Stop at the place. No. An hour of it was us being basically berated for not buying an extended maintenance program in you a ceramic. You needed to bring me with you. Let me tell you a
1: story about in and out of that room in 10 minutes when I made it super clear that they had already gotten more money from me than I showed up planning to spend. <laughs> We weren't spending a dollar
0: more. <laughs> I know, and we started out by saying we're, you know, we really appreciate the offer. We're just not interested in any extended warranty or maintenance programs or whatever. And he like, "That's fine." And then, of course, it, we spent, you know, another forty-five minutes of him of us saying, "No, no, no." My Internet. wife said, "My wife said that she counted seven pivots because after a while it became a bit of a game, right? Because it's just like, no drinking many, contest. <laughs> can we say no to you, please, sir?" But that's my point: is it was it was a, a disingenuous, inauthentic offer. They said online, "We're going to do this." And And they didn't deliver, which really left us. I texted a buddy of mine when I went in. I said, hey, dude, we're going to pick up this new car. So excited. He said, awesome. He texted me about halfway through. says, hey, where are you? You know, because he wanted me to text. I told him to text a picture of the car. And uh, I I was like, not now. Can't talk. You know, that automatic reply that you do. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and the, an hour later i rang him up and said dude we are just now leaving the dealership and he was just as livid as i was he was like this yeah. is ridiculous he goes this is why auto dealerships are suffering and this is why carvanas and all these other things are springing up because people are just like you you know so so anyway i don't mean to get into my personal stuff but it just i think it illustrates how we've got to do better because there are a large number of pet parents out there that are expecting things to be better. And if we give them these lousy experiences, they're going to say, I'll try something else. I bought a car from a vending machine. That's nuts. It's
1: the coolest thing ever, really. And, <laughs> you know, again, I think we have the opportunity to match these experiences. And, and I think what people need to know, when we've said it before, is we live in a a small rural part of the country. Like there isn't 15 dealerships next to each other. So you you pick the brand of a vehicle you want and then there is a dealership or you're driving an hour. Um, And like, we know you had way better things to be do than driving two hours to buy a car, right? Like your, your house affected. So, um, you know, that's, that's a lot of it. So, you know, um, again, it is a matter of of thinking about the experience. We've talked about that forever, though, right? Like thinking about the experience, preparing people for the experience. And I, I get frustrated because, like I said, this is an area we can always be leaning into our technicians. The ideas don't have to generate at the top, and they really shouldn't.
0: Yeah. And, and again, you know, one of the things that intrigued me about Becky's uh, conversation with us before the show, uh, when she was setting this up, it, it was also, Becky, you kept saying things like, look, they're doing things that you know, are outside of the normal veterinary practice in general terms, right? So they're doing things that just aren't part of, you know, like what we view as the necessary parts, right? Um, And I think that's an important discussion to have here because like we're, we're trained to use, okay, when I see osteoarthritis, I really say, how do I combat pain and how do I reduce inflammation? And that really leads us back to, pharmacology primarily, right? So we're going to use any types of of medications, drugs, or even supplements to reduce systemic inflammation or localized inflammation. And then we're probably going to talk about weight reduction if that dog or cat, you know, has uh, obesity or something like that. But we don't then often think about what about rehab? What about massage? What about, of course, class four? What about acupuncture? And I think that's where these opportunities are springing up because Becky, you didn't call me and say, Hey, people are getting their drugs, online delivered to their house. You said, Hey, they're actually doing these other treatments, right? And I think that's an important distinction.
1: Yeah. I mean, a hundred percent. It's, it's, not like, and, and the truth of the matter is, again, like I said, most of these are all incorporating the veterinarian. I think what right. the outside industries have learned is the early industries didn't make it because they didn't incorporate the veterinarian. And then they made everybody mad and the vets talked a lot of crap about what they were doing and the products they had and felt left out and felt frustrated. I think what they're doing now is figuring out how to make more income for the veterinarian and how to push things back to the veterinarian. And like you said, push people back to the veterinarian because we're getting... The results. And it's because it's convenient. And like, not going to lie, right? Like, my dog had a, a UTI a couple months ago, took her in, did what we needed to do. I was supposed to bring urine in. Well, it's COVID. I'm never the 30 minute drive to her veterinarian. And I frankly just didn't do it because I knew right. she was better and whatever. I also am helping with the you know, and, and working with a company that is now looking at doing in home test collections. And if I had had somebody to call and just grab the sample and deliver it for me, she'd have had it the day it was due. So it's, it would be more compliance, more money for my vet instead of me just skipping it because I just don't have the time and I know it's okay.
0: Yep. So viewfinders, do you see these types of in-home services, diagnostics, testing products, whatever as a threat? or as an asset to the profession? How do you think we as a profession should be responding? Should we be encouraging, endorsing, exploring, recommending even? Do you think it's gonna grow or be additive to the profession? Or do you think somehow vets are the ones that are gonna lose? I, I don't know that we any of us have the f- firm answer, but I'd sure like to hear your opinions.
1: As long as the pets are winning, no one's losing. So right. how can we make this work the best for us and to get the best patient outcomes? And that's the most important. So shift your mind focus there if you can and show us how you're doing it. You know, what are you helping do to empower your clients after they have a ACL surgery and they want to make their pet better and feel helpless? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Veterinary Viewfinder.
0: And don't forget, leave us stars on Apple. It oh, <laughs> really stars. does help us. And honestly, you know, during these crazy uncertain times and, and we really try to, you know, come up with cool topics to talk about despite what might be happening in our real life. You know, we really, it means so much to us uh, we appreciate it when you go on Apple and just hit the four or five stars and you say hey I'm really enjoying what you're doing that's that's really all we ask for. We don't get paid to do this. We just love our profession. We love you. Love spending time uh, talking to Becky every week. It's the highlight of my time. Uh, but again, Viewfinders, definitely, if you get a chance, do that. Hit us up on the Insta. Hit us up on Facebook and even on Twitter, which that's where I do post stuff. Becky, sorry, it's still there. Do you <laughs> I do. Boo. I do me. I do me. But Viewfinders, <laughs> thanks again for your loyal listening. Please stay safe out there. Give your pets a hug and let us know if there's a tough topic that you'd like for us to tackle, and who knows, we might even drag you on the show. You never Other know. Other than COVID. <laughs> Until next time, bye. bye.